What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Canceled Apprentice podcast, where we develop resilience and learn how to reach maturity mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I'm your host and Canceled Apprentice, Cole Vandervoort. I'm the king everybody, it's time for another Ask Cole. You get to hear my opinions for what they're worth or not worth on uh, on the episodes we just record. So recently we did Dr. Whitaker, a longtime friend and mentor of mine. And there's so much to unpack there. I absolutely loved it. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen. I'm never going to give a full summary of those because I can't say things that they said the way that they said them and it would just detract from them. So Definitely check it out, but I'm going to pull out a few things that meant a lot to me and we'll have some discussions about it. First, I want to start with my week because it's been a big one. I've briefly mentioned this, but I have been having a hard time uh, with my health. Not really entirely sure why, um, but I, I'm having some weird, like, what I can only describe close to anxiety uh, symptoms, which I've never had before. And uh, it it basically makes me uncomfortable all the time. Uh, and my back and neck and uh, down my shoulders uh, basically just kind of hurts. Like someone's scraping the tip of a knife blade just enough to hurt a little bit. Or if I drank like five pots of coffee, that kind of thing. It's, it's frustrating, especially when I'm trying to sleep. And uh, it's kind of robbed me of a lot of my energy and personality in some ways. And I'm excited this week because I've been doing some different treatments and different things. Uh, and somebody that I'm going to have on soon is my friend Josh, and he does this treatment called neurofeedback. And neurofeedback is is basically a way to help reinforce healthy brain activity and uh, and subtly discourage unhealthy brain activity. It's kind of like training your brain, like in a gym, but it can be targeted and really effective for a number of different things, PTSD, anxiety, depression, uh, ADHD, uh, the list goes on and on and on, and we'll have him on soon. But um, recently we found maybe a treatment that that uh, seems to be working. So this, uh, this week was actually, I think the first week we got it dialed in, in a way that I'm so excited about because I, I have no pain today for the first time in four months. Um, so we'll see how how that goes, uh, and if it keeps keeps up. But I'm I'm really excited today. I just I feel like myself for the first time in a long time. It's not completely gone yet, but I've only done one treatment, so really cool. Uh, I want to hear how you guys are doing too. You know, a lot of you guys are our friends, and if you're not friends yet, um, I'd like to be. I want this to be a podcast where you know we do more than just talk and exchange information. But you know, at some point, I envision maybe creating a community, you know, where we can get together and we know like, Hey, this night, you know, we'll go meet for, you know, a beer or a coffee at this place and all kind of discuss some different things. And, you know, on this journey to becoming who we feel like we truly are, who we were created to, to be. So definitely if that's something you guys are interested in, I'd like you to hit me up, you know, send me a, a message or write me in one of the comments on, on one of our posts uh, on social media. Let me know if that's something you are interested in it all. And if not, that's cool too. Tell me, Cole, I think that's a dumb idea. And I'll put that into the very large uh, column of really dumb ideas that I've had. But every once in a while, some dumb ideas pan out. So uh, let's dig in here 
with Dr. Whitaker's teaching. So spiritual disciplines, that's what we covered first. Uh, and I love this because he was the introduction to spiritual disciplines for me. If you don't like the word disciplines, because I don't, <laughs> disciplines was basically a word that was used to shame me a ton in life. Uh, whenever I was struggling because I was undiagnosed ADHD or I didn't know how to get something done or um, or I was really just, I felt paralyzed or overwhelmed uh, and I, I, I didn't get the result that I should have or wanted to. Uh, somebody would tell me, you just need to be more disciplined. You just need to try harder. If you could just develop discipline, everything would be okay. So that word bothers me um, because of its misuse. It's, I mean, it's not supposed to do that. It should come from the word disciple, which is this is how we orient and train. Um, and we, we're discipling under someone. We're following under someone. So I use the word apprenticeship, right? Or apprentice. Um, if you don't, aren't comfortable with that word or, or disciple or apprentice or whatever, I don't, you can call it whatever you want to. In all honesty, you can call it training. You can call it practices is a really common one. Spiritual practices is, uh, is language that is used interchangeably with disciplines very often, even by um, a lot of the, I would say, uh, leading authors that talk about these things. So spiritual practices uh, is something that we basically do to retrain the base habits or instincts of our body, what I call our default behaviors, to uh, become more like who we feel called to be, more like ourselves, more like who Jesus created us to be or who he uh, exemplified for us, right? And this is important to me because I, I don't know about you guys, but your default behavior is a behavior that you just inherited. You could have inherited that from just your own body. Maybe your body seems flawed. Like some people, it's like, man, that person naturally doesn't have insane cravings for gummy bears, but I do. That's a default behavior that somehow you inherited. Uh, a default behavior could be one that you developed when you were younger or even now that you're developing uh, that is just a bad habit. Through repetitious behaviors uh, and using this habit, you basically have ingrained it to become a new default. Or it could be something you inherited. It could be something that you got from a parent or somebody who raised you or a family member or even close friends who you've been surrounded by, a default behavior is, is something that was instilled, that was caught, uh, not always just taught, but sometimes caught, sometimes taught too. Uh, the cool thing about behaviors like this is I'm, I'm making them sound like they could be negative, but they're not always, right? A default behavior can be incredibly positive. I inherited a number of very positive default behaviors from family members, from loved ones, from mentors, uh, and that's huge. That's very important. So uh, the goal here, when we look at spiritual practices, is to acknowledge what our default behaviors are, to examine them, to become aware of them, uh, and then to, to basically retrain the ones that aren't helpful, that are in the way, that trip us up. And we all have these. And if you think you don't, that's good because you just discovered you have blind spots. Uh, we all have these default behaviors that are in the way of us acting or becoming who we feel like we're called to be. So Dr. Whitaker mentions a number of spiritual disciplines that he finds really valuable and helpful. 
I'm not going to go over all of these for you today. Uh, maybe at some point we might do that. But what I would encourage you to do if you're really just wanting to know what the options are, you can do some research. There is a, a handbook that I find useful. Um, now, I don't view this as an exhaustive, like, here's how you do spiritual disciplines, step A, you know, step B, step... I wouldn't call it that. But what it does really well is give you literally an overview of all the different spiritual disciplines that have been developed, what they are, the definition, and how they're rooted uh, kind of in traditions, in scripture, in, in uh, you know, their origins, and what they do for us. And it's it's called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, and it's by, uh, the author's name is Calhoun, his last name. Uh, definitely check that one out. I find it really helpful to have around. That's how I discovered that accountability was a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice. I didn't realize that. I'd been doing it for years and years, and I found it to be absolutely crucial to my life and formation, but I... I had no idea it was a spiritual practice. I was just doing it, right? So you'd be surprised how many things are spiritual practices. What I'd like to talk with you about is actually uh, the ways that spiritual practices have been taught. Uh, some teaching I found on them um, early on in my my faith journey was really frustrating. And, uh, and different ways that we can reframe some of these things, take back... Uh, the beauty that's in spiritual practices uh, from bad teaching and and that you can remove shame from that because it's huge. Like you don't want shame mixed into your spiritual practices. So let's start with something that I struggle with hearing and maybe I think a lot of you do too. Let's start with this phrase. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Maybe Maybe we'll throw in the third in the the, uh, I would say, misused trinity of spiritual disciplines, which is, and have quiet time. If the term quiet time makes you bristle like it does me, whoo, I get it. I understand. My wife and I uh, have both heard this a million times. Now, let me caveat by saying, those are all good things. Those are all great things. But they are not the only things. And it doesn't tell you how to do them because it assumes that you should understand how to do this. And I find that short-sighted and frustrating and shaming. Here's why. Let me give you an example. If you're like, you're being dramatic. Okay. So I'm ADHD pretty strongly. When I sit down and read the Bible uh, in a physical book, I hate it. I hate that experience nine times out of 10. If this is the first time you've heard somebody say that, that is a believer, uh, and you find that hard to hear or maybe freeing to hear, either way, that's okay. I do. I don't enjoy that experience. And here's why. My brain shuts off as soon as that starts happening. And I think of a million different things. But when I walk up to that that with my list in hand, and I say, okay, I'm supposed to read the Bible today. I'm going to read, let's say I want to read the Bible in a year so that I have to get through this chapter today. I'm already starting with a should. A should. This is what I should or ought to do for you British people, if that's something you say. Um, this is what I ought to do. I ought to read this chapter today to get through my Bible in a year plan. This, this means that if I fall short of that expectation, I'm not achieving my goals 
I'm no longer the type of person who can get through the Bible in a year. And now I have to catch up. John Whitaker said the same thing. He's really frustrated by that. He said, never try to read the Bible every day. Instead, your goal should be more often than not. If you try to read it every day, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Now, there are some of you who can do this. More power to you. I love it. But for me, when my executive function turns off, which is documented research, and it shows that where other people's lights up and they start to pay attention and focus, uh, the executive function part of the brain for the ADHD person in times of just reading like a physical book literally turns off. I cannot will myself to enjoy that experience or to retain that experience unless for some reason I'm hyper-focusing on what I'm reading that day. And that could come from a number of different reasons. Maybe there's something extremely relevant to my life. Uh, Maybe I'm just in the zone in general. Maybe I have developed really good patterns and habits leading up to that that put my brain chemically into a place of being ready to retain that. Or maybe I'm medicated. There's so many different things. We don't need to get into all that right now. But the point is, it's really, really hard for me. Like, very, very hard. And it doesn't mean I should never read the Bible, but trying to do it like everyone else does and like everyone else has told me I have to does not work for me, period. And then I feel shame. I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Maybe everybody else just cares more. Maybe they're more spiritual than me. You know, and if you felt that, man, I have lived so long with that feeling and it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Let me tell you what I think. I think a bunch of circus poodles are jumping through hoops because people said, hey, you have to read the Bible in a year to be a good Christian, or this is just the way you do it. And they want to be that. They want to be the good believer. They want to do the right thing. And it's beautiful. Or maybe they're just one of those people who are genetically gifted with the ability to do that easily. Wonderful. Here's the problem. If I want to read the Bible in a year, and for this day, I have to get through five chapters, right? Well, then I just read through it. And that's cool. I can check that off my list. But what did God actually want to teach me through those five chapters? Have you ever taken one phrase, one verse, or even one word and prayed on it for a week and seen what kind of transformation happens to your your life, your attitude, how your mind is transformed and renewed? Have you ever done that? I'm not saying it's wrong to read the Bible in a year. I think it's beautiful. But sometimes I think it takes, ultimately the goal is transformation. If that's transforming, you do it. But you shouldn't do it in every season. That's for certain. And the goal is transformation. And if you're going to find more transformation in taking a single verse and meditating on it for a year, and each day uh, unfurls more beauty and more transforming work in your life, then that takes precedence over your list. Just because other people have told you this is what good believers do does not mean that it's what you have to do. Now, it could be useful to you. That's my spiel. I'm just saying you need to measure it by what is helpful to you. For example... I do love approaching scripture saying, okay, I'm going to read today. But when I feel the tug in my heart of, oh my gosh, this is really meaningful to me, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray on that. If it's one word, I'm going to meditate on this phrase. I'm going to ask God to reveal the different ways that it applies to my life. 
If I find something really challenging where it's like, wow, I'm really not doing that. Instead of feeling shame, I'm going to say, God, can you show me all the different ways my life would be different if I were to live out what you just asked me to do in this verse, what you're inviting me into. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to meditate and breathe through that and see what comes. And I'm going to use as much imagination and detail as I can envision to say, what would my life look like if I accepted this invitation? And I'm going to practice it internally. I'm going to practice it because my brain doesn't know the difference between thinking about something over and over again, practicing internally and externally. And next time I come across a prompt for that behavior, I'm actually going to be better at it because I've been practicing it because it's important to me because I took it in deeply. That is how I read the Bible. And I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else. I'm saying that's what is working for me. Uh, Another thing that works for me, because not everything is just like, oh, here's this commandment. That's not how it works. We'll get into that in a minute. But another thing that really works for me is reading it with an audio uh, version. So like I use the YouVersion Bible app. You can use whatever you want. I, I don't care, but Maybe it'll be reading it out loud for you. But for me, I really love having somebody narrate it and they read it and I read along and follow along with them. Sometimes uh, having two forms of taking in the information really helps my brain for some reason. Like if I can hear somebody speaking it and follow along with the words, I find it just really uh, makes my my ADHD brain latches onto that and can focus on it way easier Sometimes I honestly just need to listen to it and I listen to somebody read it and I will be at the gym or I will be doing dishes. If I'm doing something with my hands or if I go for a walk, uh, walks are really good because, you know, the left, right, left, right of of the movement actually causes cross-hemisphere activation in your brain, focuses you, activates the cortex. It really helps you retain things. These are all different ways that I have learned I have to uh, kind of trick my body into focusing. And so somebody could look at me and say, well, you're just doing dishes with AirPods in, you know, you're not, you're not reading your Bible. Well, actually, I think I am. I think that, that the rules can be whatever you want them to be. So if you felt shame from that, I want to release you from that today because it was seriously a battle for me for years. And sometimes I still catch myself saying, wow, I haven't read through a whole chapter today, but it's like, well, okay, what did I do? What have I done lately? Uh, so just start asking yourself what works for you, what shows the most transforming work in your life and get creative and look for different ways um, to do that. Like I, Whitaker said that when he would read through his chapter or whatever every night, he'd just start talking to Jesus about what he read. It just happened organically like a relationship. What if you read the Bible conversationally with Jesus? Is that easier for you? That's easier for me. Conversations are much more fun. At least it's definitely far more relational for me. And that's my whole purpose is to walk into a relationship and be transformed. Uh, So that's the way that I approach it. Conversationally, relationally, meditatively, audibly. Um, You guys can find your own rules and what works for you. But that, that meant a lot to me. The same goes with prayer, with quiet time. So if we start with the relationship and move backward. So often I'm like, okay, I haven't prayed yet today. How do I do that? First of all, I start by feeling bad that I haven't prayed yet. 
which is not where you want to start. And then, then I'm like, okay, what are the things I need to pray for? And I start like kind of coming up with this list. So I want you to not think of the word prayer for a second. You are simply walking into a relationship and having a conversation with the God of the universe. Who wants to have this conversation with you? He loves you, right? And if you walk up and you say, and I want you to picture any person that you would walk up and start talking with, and you pull out your list and you're like, all right, I walk up to my best friend. I'm like, hey, uh, all right, so this week, this is uh, what I did right. This is what I did wrong. This is what I need from you. Here's all the people in my life that I need you to know about, that I want you to uh, pray for, that I want you to minister to. Uh, here's what I need. I need more money. I need more. All those things, none of those are bad, but it's super weird. And then I finish my list, I read it, and then I'm like, all right, I'll see you next time. And you give yourself a good pat on the back because you did your prayer for the day. How weird is that? Like we want, we constantly stress in the church that that your uh, relationship with God is a relationship right? It's not just a religion, but then we pray like it's a grocery list. It's it's super weird. So when you pray, think first and foremost, and this is why I love the, the image of trying to, trying to borrow an image from something that helps you envision Jesus as a person. I borrow from Aragorn, right? You can borrow from whatever you want. Um, I just always like to, just for me, I'm like, Jesus, I know this image completely falls short of who you are. I'm well aware of that, but just to help me visualize a little bit, you know, this is where this is where I'm at. This is what I'm choosing. You can do it however you want, though. Uh, I like Gandalf for the Father. I like Aragorn for the Son. For the Holy Spirit, I'm still working on that one. Uh, That's really interesting. But imagine having a conversation with this person, and that's. Immediately for me, at least, I can only speak for myself, but uh, that helped me stop just kind of coming with a list. So I want to hear from you guys. Uh, what are different ways that has been really hard for you that you felt a lot of shame over? Like, okay, well, I I haven't done this the way that I'm told I'm supposed to. If it's quiet time, if it's like, that's what I call ADHD hell. That is literally a synonym for quiet time for me where I sit and I just, what? I think about what I read in scripture or I read scripture for my quote unquote quiet time. You know, it's not quiet. All the static in my head or all the screaming voices telling me, why are we doing this? This is horrible. Now, if you said silence and solitude, where my goal is to anchor myself in the love of God and realize that it is not about what I do, but who God is that I find my identity. And I'm not loved for what I'm doing. I'm not loved for what I produce. I'm not loved for how good I do or how poorly I do. Really, I'm just here to anchor myself in that love and refrain from doing anything to remind myself of that. And when it's really hard for me to sit still, I view it as going to the gym. I'm going to start small. I'm going to start with what I can do. And I'm going to train right? I'm going to train myself to get more used to this so that I can anchor my identity and my restless heart 
that constantly wants to earn love by producing something, by doing the right thing, that can anchor my identity in, in who he is instead of what I'm doing. But it's very uncomfortable, especially for me as an ADHD person. So I'm going to start with what I can do. What you take away from that is do these spiritual disciplines as you can, not as you can't. And if somebody else says, well, it's easy. Just read your Bible, have quiet time and pray. No, ignore them. You can ignore them. That's allowed. Uh, You can say, maybe that works for you. That's wonderful. One caution I would give you is don't assume because it didn't work when you first started or that uh, it worked out very poorly. Don't assume that that means that it won't work for you. For example, the I don't like to call it quiet time. I'll call it silence and solitude. Quiet time can mean so many different things, but the purpose for what I try to pull out of quiet time is silence and solitude. I'm not inherently good at it, but that's one of the reasons I very much need it. I'm antsy and I'm ADHD. I have a hard time sitting still and I am constantly focused on what I need to do next and have a lot of shame over not being good enough sometimes. That means that that's probably going to be the hardest spiritual discipline for me, but it also means that I might need it the most. So when I say do them as you can, not as you can't, I mean start with what you can do. If I say, okay, I'm going to do that for six hours today, wow, I'm probably not going to succeed. But if I say, okay, I'm going to try 10 minutes and see how I do with that. Honestly, that's a stretch for me. Start with that. That is some guidelines, guardrails for spiritual disciplines. I also love that uh, Dr. Whitaker said, find your time, your place, and your plan. So you have your plan of what you're going to do. How do you want to approach a spiritual discipline? Maybe you found that from the spiritual discipline handbook I recommended, or you talked to some people, or you're modeling it after somebody, or a mentor gave you advice. You have your place where it's like, this place is going to become sacred to me. When I see this place... It is a prompt for me to engage in this spiritual discipline. A place that I won't do it is in my gaming chair where I sit at home and I either record podcasts, which is work for me, even though I love the work, or I play video games uh, to relax because that chair is a prompt for me. When I sit there, I'm like, okay, that means it's time to do one of these other things. My brain understands that. I need to find a place and carve that out as when I'm here, this is what I do. In my backyard, that's a place it is for me. Uh, It used to be a coffee shop when I lived somewhere else. I haven't found a good one uh, around here yet, but uh, maybe it's at the beach for you. Maybe it's at the park up the street. Maybe it's in your closet. That sounds weird, uh, you know, that I'm trying to push Christians in the closet. Not what I'm saying at all, but hear me out. Sometimes you just need a dark, quiet place to get on your knees and be completely undistracted and alone. And that's beautiful. Do that. Uh, So time, place, and plan. I love it. Uh, For Dr. Whitaker's daughter, who every time her kids are, uh, you know, eating and she has a little bit of time to herself, perfect. She's got her place on the kitchen table. She's got the time every single day. It's repetitious. And she's got a plan. She knows what she's doing. She's going to read. I love it. So there's some encouragement for that. 
I want to mention one more thing about relationship. Uh, again, we're trying to have a relationship with God. Uh, so I would like you to think of your three best relationships. Who are those? Your three best relationships. What's so life-giving about them? And then try to try to make a culmination of those in your mind for a moment. Like, what if those three people melded into one person? There's a Star Trek episode that I love uh, and hate because Neelix and Tuvok uh, in Star Trek Voyager get merged. And then there's this creature called Tuvix, which looks ridiculous and sounds ridiculous, and it is. And uh, Tuvix inherited the best traits of both of those characters and was this incredible amalgamation of awesomeness. Uh, but then, of course, they wanted the originals back. This is this is nothing to do with it. Janeway ended up murdering Tuvix. That is a subject for debate uh, in a moral conundrum. But the point is, like, think for a moment. Take your three best relationships and think, oh, wow, what about the those qualities if they were all merged into one person and that person still falls short of Jesus? How much he loves me, who he is, but these people do in these qualities, embody some pieces of him. That helps me a little bit to actually understand who I'm interacting with for a moment. And then I, I choose an image, but uh, you have this person that you're talking with, that you're interacting with. And we, we don't want to approach them with our list. We want to be conversational, but sometimes that means we just listen. And that's really important. And when we listen we do it relationally, right? So you sit down, you go to listen, and and then maybe he doesn't have anything to say to you today or it's not time. And so you're like, hey, excuse me, you've got 10 minutes left. Well, that's a weird relationship. Or you're like, hey, uh, you haven't said, you have to say something. Like you have to say something to me. Well, you don't, that's not how you approach any relationship, especially not with God, Right? Sometimes he speaks to you. Sometimes he doesn't have anything to say to you or it's not the right time. Sometimes he speaks to you through his word and you listen that way. Sometimes um, he'll speak to you through other people and you'll learn to recognize that. But we can't learn to hear his voice if we're not anchored in scripture and if we're not developing a habit of listening. And that is a key component to relationship. It's fascinating that 90% of prayer, as I've been taught in the Christian church, is all just about, let me give you my needs. Let me tell you what you have to pray for. That's cool. That's not bad. It's not wrong, even though there's very little of it in the Bible, as far as the New Testament is uh, is showing us. But there, there is so much of Jesus being alone, spending time with God, listening for the will of the Father. I think that's important. I think that very little of prayer has to do with asking for a change in our circumstance. And I think we should do that. Don't mishear me. What if the majority of our prayer was about listening to what the God of the universe has for us, what he has for me, and where he wants to take me? I think that that will revolutionize uh, prayer life, and it has for mine. Let me know what you think of that. I actually am going to do another Ask Cole this week because I have so many questions. 
For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time or you're not familiar with how we do things, uh, we do one Ask Cole after each interview for a debrief. Uh, last week's interview was interesting, though, because John Whitaker is a theologian, right? He has a lot of expertise. And so I asked you guys on social media what kinds of questions you had. Um, and you hit me with so many awesome questions. I didn't have time to answer half of them. And I still don't. But I think that there are a few... Um, if you want to hear some of my thoughts on them, I might throw those into another one and release that one soon. Uh, so I'm going to record that one next here and uh, get that out to you. I'll be releasing that one in the next two weeks. Be on the lookout for that, and I'll see you next time. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Cancelled Apprentice podcast. I'm proud of you guys. I love you. May you be free from shame and ready to trade. 